Hey everybody, Zach here. Quick note before we dive into this week's episode. So, for those of you who are not aware, Enrollify is made possible because we have partnered with a select number of organizations to help us produce the content that we produce. And we call these organizations our strategic partners. Well, one of our strategic partners is Element 451. You guys have heard me talk about them before. They're one of the leading CRMs in the education space. They have the power of a slate, but the UX and design functionality of a HubSpot, they're just a really robust uh, operation and platform. Well, Element has just launched a brand new course called the Enrollment Analytics Course. And this is going to be an eight-week-long cohort that is led by Element's Chief Analytics Officer, JC Benia. The team there has put a ton of time and resources and energy into this course. I know it's going to be fantastic, but they're limiting the first cohort to just 20 people. And this is where it gets even better. So, Two Enrollify subscribers who apply before August 15th will be will receive a $300 discount on the course. The total course is $700, but it gets even better because one of those subscribers will get a full scholarship, and I get to pick who that subscriber is. I will take any and all bribes. Uh, just kidding. Uh, but this is a really cool opportunity. If you have a, a lot of data in your CRM and you're just not entirely sure how to actualize it, you aren't entirely sure, hey, how do I make better strategic decisions with my time? What sort of systems and processes and workflows should be set up to help me make sense of all of this data? Then this course is for you. Again, you don't have to be using Element to get value for this course. So if anyone who has any CRM who wants to make better, smarter marketing decisions with that CRM can benefit greatly from the enrollment analytics course. So head on over to element451.com forward slash analytics or scroll down to the show notes, click over to that landing page and apply. And if you talk to the team there, if you have any questions, uh, you know, feel free to say that you're an Enrollify subscriber. Uh, that will help us and that will help Element. Or if you have any specific questions about the course offering, feel free to reach out to me directly. All right, everybody, enjoy this week's episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Enrollify podcast. My name is Zach Buzicruz, and I am the host for today's episode. And today I am joined by Bryson Purcell, who is the Assistant Director of Admissions at Lock Haven University and the co founder of Success U. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Zach. So, Bryson, I like to start each interview a little bit differently with just sort of a question to get everyone excited about who you are and really just understand a little bit more about how you think, the things that you care about, um, you know, how you spend your time outside of the nine to five, et cetera. So the question I've got for you is around something that you've changed your mind about recently. This could be like work related. It could be personal. It could be I used to like tomatoes and now I don't really anything here. Uh, but what's something that you've recently changed your mind about recently? Yeah, so I think uh, on, on a more personal level, um, I've recently been clicking the Made For You playlist on Spotify. Okay. And, uh, my, uh, my music selections. I'm not a crowd pleaser at a party by any means. Um, it's the same playlist over and over and over again. So very much like 90s, 2000s kind of guy. And uh, 
Spotify has been mixing it up for me a little bit. So it's it's been good. It's been opening my eyes to different genres and different artists. So it's been a recent change, but it's going well. Do you have a favorite artist right now, even if it's sort of a, a throwback artist? Oh, I'm a big Dave Matthews band guy. Okay. Uh, okay. I was little and my friends probably don't want to hear it anymore because that's just usually playing either in my office or like in my room if I'm coming <laughs> out. Uh, but we're we're kind we're getting there and branching out. Okay. Well, hey, that's exciting. And yeah, I will say of all of the streaming services, I think that Spotify still like is king when it comes to their playlists. Like I, I tried Apple Music for a little while. I've tried like, you know, Amazon premium music or whatever the heck it's called. I've done like their 30 day free trial. And I don't know, no one no one can quite compete with this Spotify playlist. So big fan of the made for you as well. They've got me hooked. So I, I think I'm a lifelong customer there. There we go. There we go. Um, well, this is exciting because this is also your first podcast debut, right? Am I remembering that? Correctly? Yeah, it is. Okay. So go big or go home, right? Go big or go home. Yeah. And we've got an exciting topic to, to chat about, which as we were just talking about briefly, it's not something that we've covered too much on this show or even kind of throughout Enrollify's other resources, but it's a topic that's really, really important, especially uh, right now as, as enrollment marketers, as admissions professionals begin to think about their Comflow strategies for this fall. Uh, hopefully there's at least some thought that's been put into it already since we are in August, but you never know. It's been a crazy year. Everyone's kind of, you know, behind the eight ball. So excited to dive into today's topic around why uh, and how parents should be included in your enrollment comms. So before we sort of dive into some strategies and tactics that you recommend folks think about and consider as they develop their, their Comflow strategies for this fall, I want to hear the story behind Success You. So I was stalking you a little bit on LinkedIn and stumbled upon Success You. And I'm just curious, where did the idea come from? Uh, what exactly is it? And how do you balance that with your core nine to five? Yeah, so all good questions. Uh, Success You is really broken up into three main areas. So First and foremost, we're like an independent college coaching service for students and of course their families who are looking for, you know, colleges and universities right out of high school. So okay. your traditional aged uh, college students. And then part two, I guess, is your real college students. Once they enroll and, and they're an actual student in, in a university, ongoing coaching there. Okay. So a lot of them uh, stick with us through high school and through that search and selection process. And then they have ongoing kind of workshops or just check-ins with us throughout their first year. Uh, sometimes they don't know who exactly to go to hmm. and easier for them to confide in someone who they already have a relationship with. So we, we have that kind of aspect of the company as well. And then three is kind of that the extra uh, consulting, if you will, with okay. local high schools and, and universities, uh, primarily in the high school level, we'll work with districts to provide like college application nights or just kind of insider tips, college 101 workshops, if you will, uh, for students who are, are looking to go into higher education. So guidance counselors or school counselors, depending on what they're called at your, you know, your high school. Sure. Are severely overwhelmed and understaffed in most places. 
So we're in conjunction with them. So we're not trying to uh, step on their feet in any means, but provide additional resources for students uh, for, you know, collegiate preparation. Love it. That was a super helpful overview. And where did the idea come from? Where did this concept originate? Yeah, so it kind of started when I was serving as an admissions counselor uh, right out of graduate my graduate program and noticing that students and especially the first generation students that I was working with are, are lacking kind of the foundational knowledge of, of higher education and how to access it. Uh, so from there, we I was talking with a few of my uh, cohort members from my graduate program, and one of them was like, we should do this. Hmm. We, we should get involved and and work with these students and be a resource for them. So one thing led to another, and we launched, uh, and it was an incredible experience. Um, it's been really, really rewarding for me as well. Uh, and it's kind of what I do on a day-to-day basis. So it's really working with the students, and but being that independent counselor. Sure and representing a a specific university. So when a family sort of uh, solicits your your all services, do they hold, is it it some sort of like retainer? So once, you know, the student goes to school, they're in their freshman year, they're trying to figure things out, like, can they just kind of call you guys, text you guys whenever? Or or how does it work for, for students once they're at university? Yeah, so we we work with families uh, on a one-on-one basis all the time. So okay. if they've been a client of ours, maybe since the beginning, which in, was only in 2019. So we have those a few families who have kind of been with us since the start. And they have our numbers. They'll text us uh, or whoever it is as their coach uh, for, for guidance and advice here and there. Um, but we also have more of a structured plan, if you will, uh, for families that would like to meet, you know, either once every two weeks or once a month. Sure. And we just work with the student depending on how much support that they need. So if it is just, hey, I uh, failed my first test and I'm not really sure how to how to cope with that or how to bring my grade back up. You know, I, I just want to talk it through with someone. We have those kind of things as well, almost like a retainer. Um, and then we also have more of a structured format as well. So it really just depends on what their needs are. Wow, that's uh, that's fascinating. And it's what's really neat about this is I would imagine it gives you a really interesting perspective on how to do your day job even better, right? Like you're getting sort of like, you know, up close and personal, uh, you know, full access to these students' lives, their fears, right? The things that they're excited about, et cetera. And I would imagine that that context, that, that learning can then sort of be applied in uh, your your nine to five where you're thinking about, okay, wh- how do I sort of like, you know, recruit at scale? What do the learnings from these individual students that I'm working with, what should that say about the tone, the style, the format that I use for communications when I'm talking to, you know, 10,000 prospects or, you know, 150,000 prospects in the context of a search campaign, whatever it might be. Um, so I'd imagine that that, you know, it goes both ways. And then, you know, your learnings and insights on in the nine to five, I'm sure translate into sort of the value you're able to bring to families one on one. Absolutely. It, it goes both ways for sure. Um, and, you know, I'm just grateful for the experience all around. It, it really is making me a better professional in my nine to five, but also a better coach for these students um, as well. So I think both sides are benefiting from it. 
I bet, I bet. So I want to dive into the topic of today, which is all about Comflows. And, you know, Comflows can be this thing that are is really overwhelming for people. Everyone, you know, knows that they're important and there's a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of resources sort of like poured into the development of a communication strategy. Uh, you know, people spend lots and lots of time and effort and, uh, you know, work with a number of different vendors typically to sort of like get com flows uh, up and running, whether this is, again, a search campaign, whether it's a post inquiry or post app campaign or or all of the above. Um, so in your experience thus far, I'm curious, when you think about designing a new com flow, right, you're, you're building something from scratch, like, where do you start? Can you sort of like walk us through the ideal order of operations that one should take when crafting a new com flow from scratch? Sure. So depending on you know where they are in the admissions funnel at that point and where we're trying to input this new message, uh, it really depends on on where they are in that funnel stage, if you will, uh, where where we like to start. But I'm a very visual person in mm. nature, uh, so I like to see things you know on a scale. So my pre-COVID you know favorite activity when we were all in the office uh, was just a one wall activity. And, and what that is, is we have a sample of each digital or print piece that goes out to uh, every aspect of the admissions funnel. Hmm. And then put them up in sequential order on one wall, as, as one would imagine, and examine where and why we're sharing it. So we'll go through and each piece is a different touch point in the admissions funnel or in the communication sequence, depending on how you're looking at it. And you really wouldn't believe how much you learned from the exercise. Wow. Um, and how you may be able to consolidate into one messaging. Uh, as you are well aware, it's hard to get 17 or 18 year olds to open numerous emails from, from a university since they're being bombarded with a lot of different options. So uh, being able to consolidate and just really making sure that we're, we're cohesive across the entire thing is was one of my favorite things to do and was easy for me to then plug in on the wall um, to see where it would fit in and, and made most sense. I absolutely love that. That is a fantastic idea. And anyone listening should go and, and implement this in their own context immediately. Because what's cool about that is, I think, the big question that a lot of people wrestle with is like, okay, how do I uh, augment my communications? Like, how do I make them better? Or, and there, you know, there's, there's, I'm sure depending on, you know, your office, your situation, what access you have versus what access a vendor partner might have, there's disagreement around like, is design the problem? Is that, is that why like we have a crappy click through rate? Is it our copy? Does our copy need to be reevaluated? Is it really just like, the format of the email communications are is it is it just too robust like too wordy for a 17 year old to to be willing to read and oftentimes it's like you're you know people have very strong feelings about these things but then being able to see something visually all together as a unit and say oh wow you know what you're right like the first seven emails they all look exactly the same that's problematic mm -hmm. it I'm sure changes your perspective and and really allows for for creative collaboration to sort of like happen in real time as you're looking at things holistically. So that's a fantastic exercise and um, would love to to be a part of, of one of those myself. I think that that's something that everyone, again, should kind of take away from this episode um, is how could I how could they replicate something like this in their context? So love that idea. Thanks. I, it, yeah, it definitely is beneficial to all 
parties like that are involved in it. And we usually bring in the marketing team or, you know, our, our marketing liaison on an admissions team if we're working with a university. Um, but even in my, in my professional career, just putting it all up on one yeah. and we can, we can see where we are within the funnel and within the, the timeline. What's also neat about that is, right, depending on where the student is in his or her journey to school, they're going to be interacting with different departments, right? But to the student, it's like it's one university, right? Like it's one school. And so this allows you guys to see in real time, oh, wow, like, hey, our tone and style, you know, pre, uh, pre-app post-inquiry is this. But then as soon as they apply, we, we shift tone dramatically. Now it's like this. And then, you know, the student success uh, uh, office is is doing something entirely different once the students are actually, you know, enrolled at the institution. So I'm sure like you guys are able to identify and hopefully reduce a lot of the friction that can happen in tone, style and communications via an exercise like this. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's hard to get everyone on the same page on all aspects, but this is a really great way to, to visually see the differences in between tone and style and you know, are we communicating in one way before they apply? And then before they get to orientation, are we totally switching to, you know, new colors or a new format or just style, depending on, you know, who created the email or the messaging. So it might have like a personal flair to it. So it really just gives you a a holistic view of the entire sequence. Love it, love it, and definitely gonna steal that um, and encourage uh, the people that we know in the space to to you know execute an exercise like this. Um, all right, so I want to talk a little bit about you know why, from your perspective, conflows still tend to kind of feel the same. So one of the things that we talk a lot about, and um, we've got a lot of content on how to augment your email communication flows, how to like reimagine, rethink them prioritize differentiation in tone, style, uh, you know, communication sequencing and formatting, etc. And, you know, the reason we talk so much about this is because for many, many schools, it's still really hard to be different, right, in your tone, your style, how you communicate with prospects, etc. And to a certain degree, right, there is just basic stuff that you as an institution recruiting a 16, 17, 18 year old need to focus on and need to include. So there are just some, you know, standards that no matter what you're quote unquote selling, there are formulas that you follow, right? There are frameworks that you implement, but there's still a lot of room for uniqueness and and differentiation. So I'm curious from your perspective, like, you know, what can schools do a little bit differently to be better at differentiating their communication flows, especially if they don't have tons of resources, right? And where do you think some of the missed opportunities in Comflows exist? Yeah, so determining how, when, why, you know, how often, what are we including is tough. And we all know that uh, as we kind of go through the admissions funnel and through the communication sequence, you know, are we sending too many? Are we sending too little? When is the best time to get in touch with these students or families? So I think the episode title kind of explains the missed opportunity there, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. not including your parents or support systems for your students in your messaging is a huge missed opportunity for enrollment marketers. Uh, families play such a big part in the undergraduate search experience that they should be included in in some aspects. Now, I'm not saying send them every single message that you send the students because their inbox will also be flooded, <laughs> but uh, instead create a, a segmented list or a segmented comp plan 
designed specifically for them. Yeah, you can reuse some of the content or, you know, the format or structures of, of your messaging, but uh, most commonly, like, are open houses or accepted student day yield events in the springtime. Uh, we had a huge increase in attendance when we included parents and support systems on those invitations rather than just sending them to the students. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, typically, especially our physical mailings going to the going to the house uh, was a big investment for us you know sure. in postage and creating them and having them printed and all of those other things but uh, get it, something about getting a physical postcard in the mail to a parent is a personal touch or is in a personal invitation for them um, some schools that I've worked with in the past have, actually went a step further and had some tour guides or student ambassadors or even their admissions counselor kind of write them a note along with it, wow. which I think is a really personal touch. Uh, and de- depending on, you know, your enrollment size, it may or may not be possible for you at that, at that scale, but um, really making sure that they feel appreciated or they feel like it's a personal touch for them that you want them to attend that event or, you know, you want them to be a part of your campus community. I love this a lot. And I, I think that, you know, a, a significantly uh, large missed opportunity for, for folks is to also just think about like how, how as the institution can your comm flow that is targeting parents of prospective students, how can it act as sort of like a, a even just like a broader resource around like, Hey, here are some things that your, you know, son or daughter is is probably thinking about or struggling with, or, hey, you know, right now, like, it's stressful, it's the fall, like, here are a couple of resources that, you know, our alumni parents, uh, alumni parents have sort of like found helpful um, as they walked alongside their student kind of progressing through the, the journey to enrollment. And I think that like, the school that can develop a kind of, you know, unique communication sequence that again, is, you know, aligned with the the prospect or uh, a post app comm flow that is targeted at, at, at students. I think that the school that can do so and, and position it such as like, hey, we want to be we want to be just be a helpful resource for you as you accompany your student through this journey. I think that that's a something that you don't see enough of. And that's sort of just, a, again, a very relatively simple and sort of like practical way in which uh, a school could be differentiated, right? And um, take take sort of a different a different approach to to communications. You don't see a lot of that. If anything, you might see, hey, we just sent your son or daughter this you know message, or hey, FYI, like you're invited to this recruitment event too. But rarely do you see a well thought out communication flow that's meant to uh, act in in parallel to to that um, to that comm flow that you know, their student, uh, their, their son or daughter is, is enrolled in. So I, I love that idea. And, uh, again, would encourage folks to, to take advantage or just take a look at if you, whatever communications you do currently send to parents, is it time for those to be refreshed, augmented in some way, shape or form? Absolutely. So I'm curious, uh, one of the things that we argue a lot about, uh, as, as a team and as we're working with, uh, different colleges and universities is like, this idea of personalization, right? And, you know, everyone's been talking about why personalization matters, why personalization is sort of so essential to any sort of form of communication that you send today. And 
Of course it is, right? It's a no-brainer. Yes, your communications can and should be personalized. But I think that, you know, one of the friction points that folks deal with is like, what is the appropriate sort of balance between personalization and standardization in Confluence? Because again, for most people, right, depending on when you're enrolling a prospect in a communication flow, you only know so much about them, right? So like, you don't want to come off as like, too general, right? But at the same time, right, you can't be too specific, because you just don't know enough about around the context of who this person is, what they really care about. Maybe they've said, I'm interested in this major, or maybe they've said, hey, yeah, I'm interested in possibly like, you know, playing this sport, but beyond that, right? It's very hard to know enough about who they are, again, depending on the stage where they are enrolled in one of these sequences. So talk to us a little bit about like, in your experience, how have you overcome this hurdle? How do you sort of think about sort of the tension that exists between personalization and standardization? Yeah, it's, it's a fine line there, right? So we're trying to be general enough that we can appeal to a larger audience or, you know, the very top of the funnel, if you will, if we're looking at it that way. Uh, but then we're also trying to be as personal or give the personal touch as much as we possibly can as well. So, I mean, in my professional career, like I try and highlight as many resources on campus that I can given the you know, nature of the emails or, you know, what, what was the primary call to action on this one? I don't want to just throw something in there to say that we did it, right? Sure. It should be intentional and, and purposeful there. Um, so, you know, every school has a experienced faculty or, you know, dedicated faculty or every school has a dining hall or a gym or a rec center, if you will, you know, but, but what makes us special? Like what's the difference between us and, the guys down the street, right? Sure. So that's what we, that's the the fine dance that we're doing there to, to figure out how we can appeal to a larger audience, but also be personal at the same time. So they, as much information that you can possibly gather from them is great. Yeah. Like any, any kind of information that they are willing to provide to you is great. Uh, sometimes we'll contact the school counselor, or they might have their activities listed on their transcripts, which is brownie points in my book for any school counselor out there that lists that on there, on there. Um, because most of the time we don't get that information else, like otherwise. Yeah. So if you're an athletic recruit, that's a little bit easier because we work with our coaches pretty often um, to, to get that list. And we build them portals so that they can see where they're recruits are in the application process and what they might be missing. Uh, so that's kind of an easy one. So let's plug in that specific sport. We work with the coaches to get, you know, interesting facts about the team or, you know, what was your record last season? What are you most looking forward to next season? Uh, maybe having a current team member contact the recruit and yeah. say, we're looking forward to seeing you at Acceptance Students Day next week. Are you able to make it? Me calling them is just my admissions counselor bugging me to, to attend this event. But if the senior on the team is contacting them and say, hey, why don't you come up and, you know, get to know us a little bit better and we can go to portions of Accepted Students Day and then we'll take you over to the field house. We can show you the facilities while you're here. That is going to get them to make the trip and, and get on campus. And 
we all know once you get on campus, you have a much higher rate of, of yielding that student. Yeah. So pulling in the stops as best as we can with the information that we have available to us is really the, that fine line that we're, we're dancing with on yeah. a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, you know, it's, it's hard and, you know, we talk in, in this particular format and we make it sound like really easy or simple or, you know, remark around what, why aren't they better? And it's like, well, you know, it is, it is hard. One, one thing though, that I, I've been thinking a lot about is like, you know, you know, when you talk to folks and they say, yeah, like, I know that we need to talk about our facilities or our athletic center or whatever it might be, our student center, but like, they're just not, they're, they're really just not as good as, you know, the, the, you know, centers and and offerings in campus the grounds whatever it might be down the street and you know sometimes that's true sometimes your facilities aren't as good right um but i think like a missed opportunity is let's just think about this in terms of athletics for a second right like maybe you don't have you know the -the state-of-the-art gym that your competitor a couple miles down the road has but like so maybe so maybe you don't want to spend too much time right taking photos and, and trying to showcase a building that is okay, but not but not excellent. But then what could you do differently? Well, I think what you could do is you could just you could write an email series that's basically very story driven, right? Like, these are the conversations that happen by the water cooler in our athletic center or whatever. And it's basically like, you know, meet Joe and meet Jim and, you know, then meet Sophia or whatever it might be. And it's basically like, you know, you're, you're talking about your offerings, you're talking about sort of the, the athletic center, but through the lens of like good storytelling, almost like humans of New York ish. Right. But mm-hmm. for like, Oh, Hey, if we can't talk specifically about how beautiful our facilities are or how, you know, that, you know, we, you know, uh, they're lead certified or whatnot. Like if, if we can't use those selling points, how do we sort of change the narrative a little bit? So we're focused on like, these are the conversations that happen here, right? This is what community looks like in this particular context. And I think that you don't see enough of that, right? And I think at the end of the day, like, it's kind of an excuse. Like, if you, if you feel like, oh, well, I can't talk about the campus because it's just not as beautiful as, as others, sure. But there's always going to be a campus, no matter where you are, that's more beautiful than, than yours. And there's always going to be one that's a little bit less beautiful than yours. And so right. I think that instead, it's important to reshape, reframe the narrative so you can talk about an aspect of your community that you are proud of, that you are excited about, that that is differentiated. And then ultimately that comes down to your existing students. Yeah, it's all about the student experience. So if you can connect that back to the gym or the rec center on your campus, and you know, I met one of my best friends because of intramural sports at the rec center. Yeah. We're not covering the uh, state of the art lazy river that's down the street or we're not, you know, showcasing uh, an older building, but has been renovated inside that may not be, you know, picture worthy, but we're still talking about the resources that we have on campus um, and how it plays into your student experience while you're here. Yeah, I think a lot about too, like the whole, the whole idea of like, you know, that we heard since we were in kindergarten, like show, don't tell, or, you know, or, or just, you know, don't, you can't just give me the answer, right? Like I remember my math, my math teacher, like saying, prove your work, right? Like you had yep. to show how you got to the answer. And I think it, like in, in a similar vein, you know, uh, communications, especially in higher ed could go a long way if we started thinking a little bit more about how do we like show the experience? And, you know, in, in the context of an email, you do kind of have to tell you've got to use words, but how do you do a better job of kind of communicating the the sentiment and the feeling, right? Rather than just explicitly stating, hey, we have 
a gym that's, you know, this large and that, you know, is this, you know, has this many different basketball hoops and blah, 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 right? Like there's so much more that can happen when you think a little bit more critically about like, okay, what is the story behind this place? Like, how do I get people excited about it regardless of what it actually looks like? Um, right. Anyways, I, I digress from that, from that uh, tangent. So thinking about like parent communication flows, right? So what are some specific strategies and tactics that you would recommend folks implement when they're trying to speak specifically to the parents of their prospects? Yeah, so if I could get one point across on this entire episode for anybody listening, like this is this is the time to turn up your radio or you know uh, stop writing an email on the side. But parents are so accustomed to being able to have access to their students' grades and attendance reports and you know all of their forms, the deadlines. They get automated calls to their cell phone or you know text messages from the the school district. It, they're so ingrained in their students' experience in the K through 12 atmosphere that they don't know any better. And mm. very soon it's going to change uh, that your students living independently and they are now responsible for, you know, their own deadlines and their own forms that they need to complete. And they need to submit this at this time or it will be delayed. Uh, and could have some consequences depending on what we're talking about, right? So it's not only an adjustment for the student that they don't have that support system right there at home anymore, but it's also an adjustment for the parents mm. as well. Support system, whatever that may look like at home. So, you know, we often see families are not traditional anymore. That There may be grandparents living in the house. They may have, you know, step-siblings in the house. They may have uh, moved out on their own entirely. Yeah. Had, you know, you never really know uh, what the student is going through unless you're on that personal level with them, because that's not information that comes across in a, a traditional application review, sure, right? Sure. So the biggest thing I, I can say here is, is use the phrase, your student. Your student needs to complete X, Y, and Z please have your student contact the admissions office in order to complete their application. Your student should always be in there. Uh, we're not putting ownership on the parents or the families or, you know, whatever support system that they may have, we're putting it on the student. Mm. The ones that are enrolling in, in college or in the university, they're the ones going to class. They're the one that are, is going to get the degree at the end of the day. So we need to put ownership on them. So Yes, some of them may read it as like the family of, insert student name here, but like I said, very shortly, they'll be on their own and they will be potentially totally out of the loop. Um, and as you kind of go down the admissions funnel and into enrollment or yield, pay their deposit, you know, start larger with the communications, maybe more is a little bit better at the beginning, and then start to taper it off. and kind of let them let go if that makes any if that makes sense to you uh and kind of take them out of the loop slowly but surely you know as they move throughout the process because come august this may be the first time that they're submitting forms by themselves and they will probably call you for like their social security number but hey that that's part of it I didn't even learn my own until I was like 20. So I don't like them. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I love the, that idea. And you know, it's funny as you're talking, Bryson, I'm thinking about like, it would be a, re- a really cool campaign would be a, a video campaign where it's almost like you're sitting down with a parent and their high school senior, right? And like they're having this conversation and it's basically like a, a passing of the torch, right? Like a handing over the keys to the car, right? And it's like, hey, this is about initiating you into adulthood, right? Like, and so this is, right? You submitting these forms, you filling out your FAFSA, or you, you know, paying attention to what the heck your social security number is. Like, this is all a part of like what you've been, you know, dying to do since you became a teenager, which is like have independence, right? And so, like, mm-hmm. it'd be really interesting to have a, a university kind of put out like a, a video with like a parent sitting down with their student. Um, a guardian sitting down with their student and having this sort of like dialogue of like, hey, this is, you, you want adulthood? You want independence? Amazing. I want that for you too. Here's some forms. Th- this is what adults do. Um, and I think that that could be like a, a cool way to help, you know, educate parents on how to properly talk to kids about this, their students about this and, and vice versa, right? How to help compel uh, students to get excited about the fact that like, hey, you've become an adult now. This is part of your, you know, role and responsibility of, being a member of society that's enrolling in higher education. Um, and I think that that could be, that could be done really, really well for, for any listener that might want, uh, that might need sort of a, a new campaign idea for, uh, you know, a, a yield campaign or something like that. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. That would be a really good idea. And I might take that to, uh, some marketing teams. I know. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, just a couple, uh, final questions for you today, Bryson. This has been super helpful. Um, as you sort of think about uh, incorporating parents into Comflows in your past experience, as you think a little bit more about, you know, uh, what you'll do, what you would recommend if you could do things over, if you were uh, tasked with like leading the charge on this particular initiative at a, at a college or university, you know, what, what data would you use, uh, if anything, to sort of like compel or convince kind of the naysayers out there that, that this is important? Um, anything you can share with us about either campaigns that you have run, insights that you've garnered, and or just uh, insights from from elsewhere in the space that you think would be helpful to try to encourage the folks that are still a little bit hesitant to adopt these these particular ideas? Yeah, and I, I think it's different on every campus on what and how they share that information and, and how it comes across to students. But the... The main idea here is students are enrolling in their education. And as we just mentioned, you know, they're now independent in in some aspects, right? So it all kind of goes back to in in locos parentes, which is is a Latin term. Um, It's instead of a parent. So Hmm. in some aspects, the university kind of becomes the parent in some ways. You know, they are looking after your student in the residence halls and they're looking after them in the classroom. Are they, you know, are they completing their assignments on time? Are they absent a lot? Um, faculty have the ability, uh, at least on our campus to, you know, send early warnings to our Dean of Students or Student Success Office to check in on students and make sure that they, you know, they're all right in, in any capacity. Um, so now colleges and universities are, are kind of going parallel. So they're, for lack of a, a better worm, they're going in conjunction with the parents at home and the support systems at home with the support systems or resources that we have on campus, right? Yeah. They're working, they're 
at the end of the day, they have the same goal to support the student to get through their collegiate journey, get out on their own, you know, secure that position that they've been working towards uh, and see them succeed, right? So that's that's the end goal. So I, I can kind of see that shift happening more and more and you'll see more and more universities um, change their orientation programming or their new student transitions. Uh, you'll see a lot of different office themes with them. Hmm. When, I was, when I was going through it as an undergraduate student, it was new student orientation. It's, it's not just about the student anymore. It, you know, it's now, uh, even that office at, at the institution that I went to is now new student and family programs. Huh. So interesting. In court really incorporated, embraced even the, the family support systems that they have. So uh, when I was working in that office, it was traditionally uh, before that geared toward the students. And it was only a few years ago that we've started including uh, a parent track during the day. So, and we intentionally split them up during the day so that they are with people in similar situations as them. Mm. So student is going to be sitting next to a student that is coming in as a, a traditional first year undergraduate student. They're in the same boat. They're all nervous. They all don't know anyone potentially in the room. You know, they may have come with a friend from home or, or something like that. And we try and, uh, push them out of their comfort zones as, as much as they're willing to go um, for the, the overall benefit of them at the end of the day. Most of them leave with a new friend or parents make connections, you know, oh, you're from this area. We used to live there or we, you know, have family in that area. And, you know, is this your first child to go to school? Get, get some pro tips from other parents. So all of that said, it, it really is building a community at the end of the day, you're building a, a larger community for your students to succeed. Yeah, I, I, I love the insight there around how orientations are, are changing and how the way that schools think about sort of like the onboarding of a student, right? It's like, it's, it's the onboarding of the student. And in some ways, it's also like the offboarding of the parents, uh, as you as you sort of like yeah. pointed out. Um, and I think that that's uh, a a trend that we're as you have you as you've already mentioned, we're going to see more of, I think it's really, really important. And I think, again, it's just it's a part of sort of like the initiation that needs to happen um, for both the sake of the student and also the sake of the parents. So uh, really interesting insights there. And I think what you're getting at, too, is like, you know, because that's going to happen at uh, what once, you know, students have actually enrolled at a college or university, we, we need to work back from there, right? So like, we need sort of the same sort of like weaning off the same sort of like education to happen before we even get to, uh, you know, campus visit day before we even get to sort of an orientation event of some kind. So love that makes a makes a lot of sense. And again, yeah, would just encourage folks to think differently about this kind of communication and, and think about like, how do you help equip parents with what they need for success during this pivotal moment in their their child's rearing. Um, my my last question for you today, Bryson is, you know, as technology gets more uh, interesting and, and more advanced as systems and software become a little bit more uh, accessible to, to folks. And as we, you know, as, as formats of content and preferences around consuming information continue to change, what sort of impact do you think that this will have on communication flows over the next few years? And one way to maybe think about this, this sort of question is like, in just a couple of years in, in, you know, 2023, what do you think comm flows will look like? 
So I, I think you hit it spot on. Like software systems are only getting smarter. We're only becoming more and more personalized in our outreach. It's no longer, uh, well, did you personalize it with their first name by a mail merge? Like that is that is the bare minimum these days of the outgoing messaging for students. Um, I do think video is going to remain the gold standard for a while. Uh, students even, my nephew is nine and is always watching YouTube videos. I mean, it's not going anywhere, I don't think, anytime soon. If anything, it's just going to keep growing. So universities are going to have to adapt and, and continue with that trend. Um, yeah. They are going to need potentially new positions on campus. You know, a university may not have had a video specialist on their marketing team before, but the way that it's going, it's very well needed um, or a graphic designer on their team for for social media and all of the graphics that go along with it make sure your branding is is the same you know what does what does your marketing team look like in in that aspect and um, we can only go so far with limited resources right so it's it's really going to be uh interesting to see how it adapts and and how we are changing as uh, an industry and what it's going to look like moving forward like you know, when I was applying to schools, I just got a lot of phone calls. And now we're sending out a lot of text messages because that's what students prefer. Like they don't want to answer the phone and granted, neither do I a lot of the time. It, uh, it's, it's not that type of outreach anymore. And we have to kind of stay on the forefront of it if we're going to keep attracting that generation of students. Very well said. Uh appreciate uh your your insight here bryson this has been a lot of fun love the one wall activity in particular and think that uh our listeners can get a lot of mileage out of just that simple exercise um so thank you for your time if folks want to connect and just uh learn a little bit more from you or ask you any follow-up questions what's the best way for them to do so yeah you can uh go online to the success you website so successyoucoach.com. Um, you can contact me through there or bpurcell at successyoucoach.com. I'm happy to answer any questions that anyone has and uh, feel free to reach out also on social media, whether it be, you know, Twitter, LinkedIn, um, or, or send me an email. I'm happy to answer any questions you all might have. Great. Well, thank you so much, man, for your time. Really appreciate it. And uh, best of luck in your next adventure. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Zach. If you are an enrollment marketer working in marketing and communications or enrollment management and would be willing to be interviewed on the podcast, or if you have an idea for a topic that you'd like to hear covered on the podcast, please reach out directly to me at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at Enrollify.org. We sincerely look forward to working with you to make Enrollify the most trusted, go-to, digital resource for enrollment marketers out there.